Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Dr. Bill Telephone Education Series. Dr. Bill Sikashida is Chief of Optometric Services for the, and Coordinator of Children's Programs for the Center for the Parsley Sighted, as well as Director of Low Vision Training at Braille Institute. Uh, we're partnering with the Center for the Parsley Sighted to bring you this informative telephone series. The Dr. Bill series is, is intended to be an educational program focusing on pediatric eye conditions for parents, teachers, and other professionals working with young children with visual impairments. This, the, the information presented tonight should not be considered an educational or, or medical consultation, but, but to help you better understand your child's visual, eye, visual condition. Um, tonight's topic is, actually, we're going to call it Let's Talk About Eye Patching, because it's a realm of different things that Dr. Bill will be able to inform us on. So we want to thank you so much, Dr. Bill, and thank you for uh, all. Thank you all again for joining us. Yes, well, thank you, Sue, for the wonderful introduction, <laughs> and I want to thank so many of you for attending this evening. Uh, we we find that these podcasts that we do that are related to children's vision are really becoming very popular, and they're one of the more popular podcasts that are on Airs LA. This evening, I'd also like to thank Mr. Joe Yurka. He's the chief engineer at Airs LA, and Airs LA is a nonprofit organization that records all sorts of different things, specifically for people with low vision. They attend many conferences and seminars, so this is a place where you can get the latest information on research related to vision impairment. And they also have other great programs where there are magazine articles and other types of interest stories that are available, all for free. So to get that, you can go to www.airsla.org, and that's A-I-R-S-L-A.org. And tonight's programs, all of these that are related to children's vision, are found at the Braille Institute website at www.brailleinstitute.org as well as airsla.org. So tonight we're going to talk about a very, very interesting topic, and this is patching. Now many people often wonder, what is the purpose of patching one eye? There are many, many different reasons why eye doctors will recommend patching to an eye, and the purposes of the patching can vary ranging from to protect the eye after one has had surgery to performing exercises to stimulate the brain to attempt to improve the vision of an eye. Patching could also be performed to eliminate double vision. There are some situations where a child may have a crossed eye or an eye that is turning outward and it causes the child to see double vision and the doctor will prescribe a patch. But we also have other specialized type of patching where we can alter the posture of a head of a child. For example, you may have seen children, and maybe they're watching television, and they have their chin tilted way up in the air, and their eyes are looking downward. And this is a posture that many children who have low muscle tone they will put themselves in this posture because it's easier for them to maintain their balance. So we also will use patching to alter the head posture so that the child will develop a normal head 
neck, and trunk posture. So tonight we're going to talk about all of those, and towards the end we'll open up to questions so that you could all ask different questions for us. So the first thing that I'm going to talk about is a condition that is called amblyopia, and that is spelled A-M-B-L-Y-O-P-I-A. Now, amblyopia is a very, very fancy term that means that a child has blurred vision in one or both eyes, even when you fit them with glasses, and they do not have any type of eye disease. So this is a very interesting thing where we often will see a child who has blurred vision in one eye, and the vision in the other eye is quite good. Now, the reason that a child can develop amblyopia is most often because the child needs glasses for one eye and maybe not in the other eye. So let's say, for example, that you have a newborn child, and this child has an eye examination, and the doctor determines that the right eye is very far-sighted, and the left eye is normal. Well, for a child such as this, if the child wants to look at things, the child will use the left eye because the left eye is, quote, normal. If the child tries to focus with the right eye, the child has to pull the muscle of the eye very, very hard, and this could cause the child to become very, very tired, or the child might have a headache, or the child might even see double vision. So what these young babies learn to do is that they learn to use their better eye, and the brain will then ignore the other eye. So like in this case, because the right eye is the eye that has a high amount of farsightedness, the brain will ignore or turn off the vision of the right eye, and the child will use the left eye to look at your face, to look at toys, or to see television. Now, when this child later grows up and has a vision screening and is able to read letters and say numbers and letters aloud for us, the nurse or the doctor will probably find that when they measure the vision of the right eye, the vision of the right eye might be very, very blurry. The vision might be as weak as 20 over 200 or 20 over 400, which means that the child cannot even see the big E on the eye chart that is 8 inches tall. When the doctor then measures the vision of the left eye, the vision will be generally very, very strong. And the reason for this is that the child has used that left eye and the left eye has stimulated the brain cells that correspond to the left eye. But the brain cells that correspond to the vision of the right eye, those brain cells will not be developed. They will be very, very small. And the reason for it is because the brain did not use the vision of the right eye. So a doctor will give this child glasses to focus the light rays onto the retina clearly. And when the doctor prescribes the glasses, we will then measure the vision. And if we measure that the vision of the right eye is still very blurry with the right eye, we know that the reason that the child doesn't see well in the right eye is because the brain cells are not developed. So the way that we can help 
that child to develop vision in that eye is that we will recommend patching. We will recommend a patch that is going to cover the child's left eye, which is the child's better eye. And what this will do, it will then force the child to use the weaker eye. Now, you could understand that in many, many cases, children dislike the patching. And they don't like it because when we patch, they cannot see as well. They can't run as fast. They can't ride their bike. Maybe they can't watch television quite as well. So when we recommend a patching program, it's very, very important that we consider many different things. First of all, if the child needs to wear glasses, we will then recommend a patch where we will patch the lens of the glasses and we will not patch the skin of the child's better eye. The reason that we do this is that when you use a patch that is literally covering the child's good eye, that patch could be very irritating to the skin. And when you remove the patch, the children feel that it's very painful. So what we do at our center, we will often use scotch tape. And we will use the frosted scotch tape and we will cut large pieces of it to make a patch that is going to cover the vision of the child's better eye. We usually will make that patch larger than the size of the lens so that the child cannot cheat. Then we tell the parents, it is not important that we patch the child all day. There are some situations where we hear that children are asked to be patched for 8 or even 12 hours a day. But this is really not necessary. The important key to improving the vision of a child who wears a patch are, number one, the child must wear the appropriate glasses, and number two, the child must look at small objects. We have to have the child look at things that are very small in order to stimulate those brain cells. So, for example, we will allow that child to watch a movie that's going to be on a portable DVD player. Or we will allow the child to play a video game on the iPhone. Or we will allow the child to do other things that are involving something very, very small. If they want to play the game Light Bright, that would be fine. If they want to string beads, that's another great idea. But what we do not want to do is we do not want to let that child sit one foot away from a 70-inch television because when the child is looking at something that large, it does not stimulate those brain cells in the same way. So the first reason of patching is to treat amblyopia, and that is where we are then increasing the visual stimulation to the brain cells to improve the vision of that eye that needed glasses. Now, we recommend that all children have their first eye examination by six months of age. Many times we can identify that a child has an unequal prescription and one eye sees blurrier than the other. We will prescribe glasses as young as one month of age, and we will prescribe patching in the same way. 
When we perform the patching at a much younger age, we see that the vision stimulation occurs much faster and the brain cells become stimulated faster. So it's very, very common that a child who is identified as having amblyopia in one eye at the age of three or six months, that the vision might improve to a normal degree within a matter of two to three months. On the other hand, if a child has never had an eye examination early on, and we begin the patching at the age of five years or six years or seven years, we then may find that the child needs to have the patching for six or even 12 months. Now, when we see children who are older or even children who are infants, say a month old, we often might recommend that they will have patching for one hour in the morning or one hour in the afternoon and one hour in the evening. So we could break it up in three different intervals. And what we try to do is we try to give them an activity that they really enjoy doing so that they perceive that this is a positive reinforcement. Now, another form of amblyopia may occur is when a child is born with a cataract. Now, a cataract is when the lens inside the eye becomes clouded. And similar to the windshield of your car becoming clouded, if there is a cataract in one eye, the eye does not focus light rays clearly, and as a result, the eye does not see very well. Now, a cataract is very successfully removed in surgery. It is one of the most successful of all surgeries in all of medicine is the cataract surgery. Now, when a child has a cataract removed, the doctors may do a couple of different options after the lens has been removed. Number one, the child may be fit with a contact lens. Or number two, the child might be fit with a pair of glasses. Now, in both cases, what's very, very important to remember if a child has a cataract is that you must fit the child with a pair of bifocal glasses in order to stimulate the vision maximally. The reason for this is that when you remove the cataractus lens from the eye, the eye cannot focus at different distances. So by having the doctor fit your child with a bifocal lens, your child will then be able to see clearly at far and near. So the first step, is if a child has cataract in one eye, the cataract was removed surgically, the child needs to be fit with a contact lens or glasses, and then a bifocal must be used. Now, after you have done that, you can then again resume with the same type of patching. We could put a frosted lens, such as scotch tape, over the better eye, and this will force the child to use that weaker eye. It might again be that we begin with one hour of patching in the morning, one hour in the afternoon, and one at night. And during each of these activities, a child will do whatever it is that they enjoy doing the most. Video games, TV, playing the piano, whatever that they enjoy. But this will force them to look at something very, very small. Now, there might be situations in which a child who has amblyopia due to the need of glasses or a cataract 
that they will not tolerate the patch very, very effectively. You might try using bribery and different rewards, and the child still will not keep the patch on. Well, in cases such as this, we become a little bit more aggressive as eye doctors, and there's a particular type of eye drop that is called atropine, and that is spelled A-T-R-O-P-I-N-E. Now, what atropine is, it is an eye drop that we could put in the eye, and what it does is that it will cause the vision of that eye to become very blurry. So if a child does not tolerate the patch on the glasses, we then will often use atropine, and we will put the eye drop of atropine in the better eye, and this will then force the child to use that weaker eye. One of the ways that we make this more successful is that we ask parents to put the atropine drop in the better eye while the child is asleep. That makes it much easier for parents to put the eye drop in. When the child then awakens, the child will then notice that his or her vision in the stronger eye may be a bit blurrier, and it will force the child to use the weaker eye. So this is a very, very convenient solution if the child just absolutely does not cooperate with any of the patches on the glasses. In other cases, if we do use this type of atropine, it can cause a child to be sensitive to the direct sunlight. So in these cases, we may then recommend that the child is wearing a hat when outdoors or a pair of sunglasses. The same sort of thing is that we will then ask the child to perform activities that involve small details, and we could then see how the visual acuity then improves. So the most common reason, again, that patching is performed is to stimulate the brain cells' growth, which will then improve the vision of the weaker eye. And we see that this is something that the younger that we begin the treatment, the better the prognosis. But even older adults who have patching can develop a higher level of vision. Now, the second reason that we may recommend patching is if a child has had surgery. We talked a little bit about the child who has had cataract surgery, and after the child has had surgery, the doctors will recommend a patch. Now, this is often a form of a metal patch that has little holes in it so that air could go in. But the purpose of this patch is really a shield to protect the eye in the event that when the child is sleeping, that he or she doesn't rub the eye and affect the healing of the eye. Now, in cataract surgery, cataract surgery is usually performed in children as an outpatient basis. So you'll go into the office, you'll have the surgery, and then you'll be discharged to go home. The following day, you'll return to the doctor's office, they remove the shield, they look to see how the eye is healing, and they'll be asking you to put different eye drops to prevent the eye from becoming infected. So a shield type of patch is another type of patch that we will use to protect the eye. In other cases, we may use these types of patches to protect the eye if a child has other types of diseases to the eye. 
some children have a disease of the cornea, and if they were to rub their eyes too much, it is something that causes damage to the cornea. When the ophthalmologist performs a treatment to the cornea, they will often, again, prescribe a shield so that the child cannot actually rub that cornea. These types of shields are usually taped onto the skin, so it makes it very difficult for the child to remove that type of a shield. So the second type of patching is a shield just to protect the eyes. Now, a third form of patching is to help the child who has a strabismus. Strabismus is the condition in which the alignment of the eyes is reduced. There are generally two different types of strabismus. Esotropia, and you spell that E-S-O-T-R-O-P-I-A, is the condition in which the eyes are turning inward or they're going cross-sided. And exotropia, E-X-O-T-R-O-P-I-A, is when the eyes are pointing outward towards the ears. Now, any time that the child has strabismus, one of the things that we're concerned with is, does a child see double vision? You could tell if a child has seen double vision often because you may notice that the child will wink one eye or cover one eye, or the child might turn his or her shoulder towards one, excuse me, child might turn his or her head towards one shoulder. So a child might turn the head towards the right shoulder, and that will allow the child just to use the left eye. Conversely, a child might turn the head towards the left shoulder, and that will allow the child just to use the right eye. So if you see any of those particular types of behaviors, you want to then ask the child, do you ever see double vision? And it's very, very common that a child will say, yes, I do see double vision. Now, many people are under the impression that if we use a patch or we patch one eye completely with a bandage patch or if we use a pirate patch or if we use a scotch tape patch on glasses, that this type of patching will straighten a strabismic or a misaligned eye. And the answer to that is that it will not. Patching the eye will not help a person to learn to use two eyes together because when we patch one eye, the brain is now only using one eye. So any time that we patch one eye, we are teaching the brain to use one eye. But what we're actually trying to do, if a person has a crossed or a misaligned eye, we're trying to teach that child to use two eyes together. So the way that we use patching for children or adults with strabismus is first, we may use that type of patching to eliminate the double vision. If a child or an adult suffers from double vision, we may then use a patch so that the child will see single, and this will give the child a much better opportunity to walk through the door correctly. If we don't have that patch, these are the kids who are very hesitant to crawl or to walk. We also can see situations in which 
we will use a patch that is going to be a very specialized type of patch where we could force the eyes to drift outward. So let's take the case for the child who has a crossed eye. And we could imagine both eyes are pointing inward towards the nose. Now what our goal is, is our goal is to help that child to move the eyes outward towards the ears so that the child could then straighten the eyes. One of the patching that we do for the child with esotropia strabismus, we will fit them with a pair of glasses and we will put the patching, just like a thin sliver of tape, on the inside portion of the glasses towards the nose. What this type of patch will do is it will force that child to try to pull the eyes outward because if they keep the eyes pointing inward, the child cannot see. If they keep the eyes pointing inward towards the nose, they're going to be looking right into that scotch tape. So this will force the infant to try to straighten the eyes, and as they develop that ability to straighten the eyes, we then add a thicker piece of tape so that the eyes have to drift outward further. So this type of patching is what we call by bi hyphen nasal N-A-S-A-L, to help young infants to then straighten their crossed eyes. Now, when we see infants where the eyes are turned outward, where both eyes are pointing outward towards their ears, we do an opposite type of treatment where we fit them with glasses, and then we put the tape towards the outer portions of each lens. If the child keeps the eyes pointing outward, they are only able to see the tape, and so as a result, these kids will then try to cross their eyes so they could then see around the tape. So this is something that is called bitemporal, T-E-M-P-O-R-A-L, bitemporal patching, and this is a way that we can help very young infants who have exotropia strabismus to straighten their eyes. Now, we might also use these forms of patching if we see a child or an adult who has recently developed the strabismus. Let's say that there's a child who was snowboarding and they fell and they hit their head and it resulted in a crossed or a misaligned eye. We may use this form of patching to then force them to exercise and to straighten their eyes. We will also use this for adults who have suffered from a stroke which has caused their eyes to become misaligned. Now, in these cases, it is very possible that it can improve the alignment of the eye. It can eliminate double vision, but there are other cases where it may not be quite sufficient. For some of these patients, they will need to have eye muscle surgery by an ophthalmologist, or they may need what is called vision therapy by an optometrist where they perform these different exercises to then straighten the eye. So this is just a reminder that for a person who does have the misaligned eye, say that the eyes are crossing inward or going outward or one is pointing higher than the other, the patching is usually not going to be sufficient alone if you're going to patch the entire eye. Again, 
if the eyes are crooked and misaligned, if you patch one eye fully, that will not straighten the eye. But patching one eye in its entirety will eliminate the double vision. We have other forms of patching for children and adults with business where we may put sections of patching on the pair of glasses to help them to straighten their eyes. And that is a treatment where we use patching to align the eyes, but it may also be such that they need additional treatment such as eye muscle surgery and vision therapy. Now, the fourth way that we use patching is to alter the posture of a child. And this is something that's very, very interesting, where we could use patching to help enhance the level of vision of a person or to change the posture. So the first thing that I talked about is that there are many times that a child might have low muscle tone. Children with Down syndrome often have low muscle tone, and if they're sitting on the floor, you'll notice that the back of their back is very, very curved. And then they will tilt their head backwards, their chin is up, and they let their eyes point down as they look at the TV. The reason a child will sit in that posture is that they do not have to use virtually any muscular effort to maintain their balance that way. So one way that we help these kids to develop a higher level of muscle and neck tone is we will fit them with glasses, and on the bottom half of the glasses of each lens, we will put a strip of tape. By putting the strip of tape, if a child maintains that type of posture, they will not be able to see the television the only thing they're going to see is the tape. So in this way, the child then has to tilt his or head chin downward and move the eyes up in order to see the television. So this is one way that we can improve the neck posture. There are other children who will only keep their head tilted forward. Their chin is virtually touching their chest, and their eyes are looking up as they watch the television. Well, in these children, we will put the sections of tape on the upper portion of the lens, and this will then force the child to straighten the head and to look properly through the center of the lens, and this will also alter their neck and trunk posture. Some kids may even have a different type of a head turn. There's different reasons that children may have a head turn, As I mentioned before, a child might turn the head towards one shoulder so that it will eliminate double vision. Other times, they will turn their head towards one shoulder so they could use one eye more than the other. Other times, they'll turn their head towards one shoulder because it allows them to have a larger area of peripheral vision. So there's many reasons why a child might turn a head towards one shoulder. So one way that we could break the habit of turning their head towards either their left or their right shoulder is that we will, again, put patches of tape on a pair of glasses. So let's take the example of a child who always turns the head towards the left. When the child turns the head towards the left, 
he or she will usually move the eyes to the right, and this will allow them to watch television or play video games. To break this posture, we're going to put a pair of glasses on this child, and on the right lens of the glasses, we're going to put a piece of tape on the very right edge of the lens, and on the left lens of the glasses, we're going to put a piece of tape that's right next to the nose. So in this way, the child will no longer be able to see the TV because we put tape right in the line of sight, right in the line of view that they're looking at. And the child will then have to turn the head straight in order to see the television. As we do that type of treatment, we often will move the tape closer towards the middle of the lens to force the child to begin to turn the head towards the opposite shoulder, and this is a way that we could then straighten their head posture. The same thing holds true is if the child always turns her head towards her right shoulder and moves the eyes towards the left. We will then put on a pair of glasses, and we will put the patches on the left edge of the left lens and on the left edge of the right lens so that the child then has to straighten the head. And this particular type of sector patching, is what we call it, is very, very effective to help to change a head posture. A lot of the physical therapists really appreciate it when we show them how they can use these kinds of activities to help to develop that child's head posture. Now, there are also other situations where we might use a similar type of patching for a person who has the loss of peripheral vision. Let's say that you have a child who is riding a tricycle, fell down, and the child hit the right side of the head and injured the right brain. Now, when a child hits the right brain, it could damage the occipital lobe of the brain on the right side. And what this does, this may cause the child to not be able to see anything on the left side with each eye. These children may have what is called a left-sided neglect. You could ask that child to get dressed. The child will say, okay, mom. And the child will put on the right sock. They will put on all their clothes only on the right side. And they do not know that they have a left leg to put the socks on. They do not know they got to put the pants on their left leg, etc. Some of these kids, some of these adults, if you ask them to comb their hair, they will only comb the right side of their head. If they're brushing their teeth, they only brush the right side of their teeth. If they're eating food, they only eat the food that's on the right side of their plate. So this type of a left neglect is very, very challenging to work with. So one of the ways that we will work with these children and these adults is we will put a piece of tape so that the child does not see things on the right side. And it will force the child to begin to move her eyes towards her left, and it helps her to become aware of the left side of the world. So overall, this is a, another very, very interesting way that we could use this form of patching. So 
summarize, there's usually four different ways we use patching. The most common way is to improve the vision of one eye. If a child has amblyopia, we will patch the better eye and force the child to use that weaker eye. And if the child just doesn't cooperate with the patching, we will use atropine eye drops. But it is extremely important, extremely important, if your child has had cataract surgery and you're trying to do patching to improve the vision of the weaker eye, the child must wear bifocal glasses. The second form of patching is to help people who have strabismus or a crossed or a misaligned eye. If they have double vision, we could use a patch to eliminate the double vision. If the child's eyes are crossing, we will use the bi-nasal patching to encourage them to try and straighten their eyes. And if the eyes are drifting outward, we will use the bi-temporal patching. But it's very important to remember that for a misaligned eye, eye muscle surgery as well as vision therapy are other treatments that we will also recommend. A third form of patching is to work with those children who may have a difficult time with their head posture. If their head is turning, tilting, or leaning forward or backwards, we could use patching to alter their head posture. And we could also use patching to force a child to look into a visual field that they normally are not interested in looking into that direction. So at this time, I know this was a lot of information, um, but we're going to open it up to questions. If any of you have questions about a student you're working with or your own child, um, let's go ahead and unmute your phone by pressing star six, and you could ask any questions. Okay? Yeah, this is Margarita. I forgot to mention to you that my granddaughter, uh, that she had ONH. Um, on her, on all the reports that she gets from the from the eye doctor, it has strabismus, then it has the ESTROPIA. Yes. So does it change these two from time to time, or okay, is it both? Diagnose the same because I think too that AM was somewhere in one of her papers. Okay, yes. Well, you know, you you said a lot of good information. I'm glad that the doctor gave you that information. The first thing is the doctor said that your grandchild has ONH. Okay, so the first thing we got a lot of information. First of all, with the diagnosis of ONH, that means the child has optic nerve hypoplasia. And as we talked about in our previous podcast, optic nerve hypoplasia is the fastest growing cause of vision impairment that we see. We do not know what is the cause of it. But in optic nerve hypoplasia, the number of fibers that are in the optic nerve that send information from the eyes to the brain, there's a low number of fibers, so the brain does not get as much information. So the optic nerve hypoplasia may cause the vision to be blurred. Number two, she said that her grandchild has esotropia. So that means one eye is crossing inward. 
And usually the eye that is crossing inward is the eye that has worse vision. She also mentioned that her grandchild has AMB, and that would be a form of amblyopia, meaning that the vision probably of the left eye is weaker than that of the right eye. Okay, so let's just assume that in this case, her granddaughter's left eye is crossing, that's the esotropia, and there is the amblyopia as well. Well, the first step in this treatment is, number one, the grandchild should be fit with glasses. The glasses will try to stimulate the vision best. Number two, we will then recommend that we're going to use the scotch tape patch over the right lens of the glasses, and this will force the grandbaby to use the left eye, and that will stimulate the cells of the brain that correspond to the left eye. Now, this type of patching, I would not recommend the patching when the child is going to be outdoors and playing. And one of the reasons for this is that when we do this kind of patching, we want the child to try to see the smallest details possible. And that is why we said, let's let her watch an educational video on a mini DVD player. Or let's let her play a video game on the Game Boy. Or let's let her watch a, a YouTube video clip on the iPhone. We want her to do things that are involving very small details. She could string beads. She could play with Legos. She could do light bright. She could do anything that's going to involve something small. And that's the best way to get her vision to be improved. Now, in the event that she still just does not tolerate wearing the glasses with this tape on it, we may then move and put the atropine eye drop in her right eye while she's asleep. And that will blur the vision of her stronger eye, and it will then force her to use the weaker eye. As the visual acuity, the clarity of sight, improves in that eye, it's very possible that we may see that the alignment of the eye improves and the eyes look straighter. But if it doesn't, we may then utilize some of these other forms of patching or other eye muscle surgery or vision therapy to straighten the eyes as well. So that's an excellent, excellent case. And this shows that in this case, there's no, numerous things going on. We have the optic nerve hypoplasia, we have the misaligned eye, the esotropia, and we have the amblyopia, but we want to make certain that we have the appropriate glasses. Great question. What about if the doctor doesn't want to prescribe glasses? They don't want, uh, she did have the eye muscle surgery, but they're saying she doesn't need no glasses. Should I just, I heard on the, on the internet that there's some type of glasses that you could put that are not, not prescribed. Yes. Now, is this for the same child? Yes, this is the same child. Okay, yes. Well, if the doctor does not want to put glasses on, if the doctor is absolutely certain that glasses will not be of any benefit, okay. then it is possible that we can use a pair of eyeglass frames, uh -huh. and these eyeglass frames will have a lens in it, and we could put the tape on top of that. 
So I just find that, generally speaking, children perform better if we use glasses with a scotch tape patch. That is more effective than using a bandage patch on the whole eye. Let's see. Does anybody else have a question out there? Uh, Yeah, Dr. Bill, this is Lana. You had recommended the patching for like three hours a day broke up. I mean, is that like the recommended amount of time? Is it? Can you go down to two hours? Can you go down to one hour? Or is three hours the magic number? Yeah, that's a really great question. And three hours per day is not the the magic number. And what we can say is that there is a, a good balance. The more that you patch, the faster that the brain cells can become stimulated and there's a better chance of improving the vision. However, a lot of times, children will become very frustrated when you're patching because they want to see better. And we have seen some kids that as soon as that they're patched, they just take a nap. Other kids, we see that they could tolerate it really well if they're playing a video game or watching an educational video. So it's often good to say, yeah, we could try an hour in the morning as the kids are eating breakfast. We could say after they get home from school, we'll let them play a video game or what have you. So um, you want to kind of have a balance to see how much is a child tolerating and what kind of results are you getting. The rules for the prognosis of improving vision, the earlier in life that the child receives patching, the faster the vision improves. The older that a person is, we generally will need a longer period of patching. But there are some cases that you just cannot get three hours per day. But I have seen other families that have been so motivated that they have patched their child eight hours a day. But I also caution about patching uh, when the child is going to school because in some of these cases, the child can't see his or her educational materials. So in these cases, I rather that the patching is done at home when the child is doing something that's very meaningful to them and it won't interfere uh, with their academic performance. Now, another type of thing is that for some children, there are some children who respond very well to different types of patches. There are these elastic pirate patches, and there are patches with different pictures or different drawings. Mm -hmm. And for some kids, that really works very, very well. But for the majority of kids, I find that using glasses and scotch tape works, works the best. All right. Does anybody else have a question out there? Okay, great. Well, I want to thank all of you for your time this evening. And if you do have any other questions about patching, uh, you're more than welcome to email me. And my email address is Dr. Bill Foundation, and it's D-R-B-I-L-L Foundation at gmail.com. Uh, let's see, next month we're going to have a really, really exciting seminar, and I really hope that all of you can join us. We're going to be talking about cortical vision impairment, and the world-famous Dr. Christine Roman will be joining us as we talk about the different aspects of cortical vision impairment, and we're going to ask her about the different treatments that she is using to improve
improve the vision of children with cortical vision impairment. She has recently published papers that show her clients and her patients with cortical vision impairment are really making significant progress, and uh, we, we really want to learn everything that we can from her. So that is going to be next month, and I believe that is going to be on March 11th. Is that correct, Yes, uh-huh. March 11th. So uh, I hope all of you will join us. And uh, if you do have any other questions, Sue, how can they contact you? Sure. Uh, my email address is strafasi, S-T-R-A, S is in Frank, A-C-I, at brailleinstitute.org. And my office number is area code 323-906-3138. Great. And thank I just you. Want to thank, sure. I want to thank you tonight, Dr. Braille, and I want to thank Joe Jerka for his help tonight, too, on recording, uh, recording this podcast. Yes, this is excellent. And uh, again, this will be up on the Braille Institute website at www.brailleinstitute.org. And what section on the website is that? That's under Child Services. And on the sidebar, you'll see, when you get to Child Services, when you, when you on the sidebar, you'll see Telephone Education Series. And that's where you click. Click uh, on that, that, that site there, and they'll take you directly to the, to the um podcast. Great. And if you go to Airs LA, you could also find it at Airs LA, A-I-R-S-L-A.org. Click the vision link and then click Braille Institute and you'll find all of these that we've done throughout the year. So again, thank you, Sue. Thank you, Joe. And we'll see all of you next month.